Jerry, we love you. And um, that's the last thing that Glenn said to me. You know, we encouraged everybody just to say I love you a little bit more, and he called me by name said, I love you. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, be praying. They're, we'll do the funeral on Friday in Evansville, and I'll be uh, honored and humbled to be able to speak on the family's behalf uh, down there. So just be praying for that this week, especially as we meet tomorrow and just kind of talk about things. Uh, so l- life is cycles. Life is cycles, and I go back to the children's area, and uh, gosh, it was just so good, because Leighton comes running up to me, Rusty, Rusty, and all she wanted to do was hug me. It was like, that was my whole day, right there, uh, just to be able to uh, see that. And then, Eric, when did you graduate high school? 2005, 17 years ago. Uh, he was in my youth group, and he just he just said he just said I coached baseball for what six years, six years, and he goes the one thing that I remember is you taught us to like touch the kids appropriately, <laughs> appropriately, but to, to touch the kids, put a hand on them, high five them, punch them whatever it takes, but just acknowledge, just like Leighton did, she, she and it meant the world to me, you know, and, and it's so important to be able to hug Glenn last week, to touch people in here. I said, even this morning, if you think it's about this stage right here that you're coming here, you're missing the missing the whole point. It's not about this. It's about this. That's why we're here. It's the people, just so that we can gather together and uh, just just be together. So uh, thank you. I I come from you. I I come with a heart of gratitude today for you. I'm thankful for you. Because it allows us to have this this opportunity, but as we dig into the last part of chapter four of Philippians, I uh, come to an awkward awkward conversation as a pastor. Well, not as a pastor, but as a pastor of this group, uh, because one of the things he's talking about is uh, money, and so I. I don't ever talk about money in here, uh, but I will a little bit today. You, we're just coming out of the season of what do you want for Christmas, you know, and we're always thinking about providing and doing things for other people, and uh, money's in a, kind of an important thing. The Bible talks about money 800 times, 800 times. Jesus talks about it 25% of the time in his messages. Think about that for a second. Jesus talks about money. Now, obviously, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew, and the Pharisees thought it was important to have a lot of money and to have a lot of things, and so he was constantly condemning them for 
that mindset of how to, to deal with money. But you have no idea how many times I hear the statement or the question, we come to Levener because they don't ask for money. In fact, I heard it yesterday morning. That you can come here and they're not going to talk about money. They're not going to ask for money. Uh, they say, you, you don't take an offering. Do you have another job? <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you make a living for yourself? How do, you, how do you do what you do? Doesn't God expect us, command us to tithe? Well, that's always a, a big question. Well, if you don't pass an offering plate, if you don't have a joy box in the back, if you don't talk about money, aren't you robbing the members of the church an opportunity to serve the Lord by giving? I get asked these questions all the time. Like, it, if money's not important to me, why, why is it important to other people? Because obviously they're concerned about it. Uh, let me say this about tithe. First of all, let's clarify what a tithe is. A tithe actually means one-tenth. That's what tithe means. It's one-tenth. But it was a law. It was a law given in the Old Covenant. I say Old Covenant. You may think Old Testament. But it was part of what the Jews had to do, and it was literally given to the Levitical priest. One, so that the priest could eat and have stuff to live off of. Typically, it was food or grain or things like that. And it says, like, take to the storehouse. Like, our storehouse is the grocery store now. That's where we, seems like we store everything. But uh, it, it would kind of be like in winter time when we have these salt places just piled up that, that's where you take it and, and here's the interesting thing that most pastors uh, won't ever tell you is in Deuteronomy uh, Keith I don't know what verse it is but uh, it says if y- if you are not close to a storehouse and you don't have the ability to take your tithes to a storehouse a local storehouse then sell that food or whatever it is that you have for money and take the money and go buy strong beer or wine and have a party. <laughs> that's in the Bible. That, that's literally there. That, that's what he's saying is to celebrate with your tithe, your offering. And uh, for some reason, pastors don't talk about that. But what you have to understand is that law was for the Jews. You're after the cross. That's the bigger, bigger point is that Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. And now you aren't under the law. Like you don't have to tithe. There is, there is no, no reference to tithing after the cross. There's not. Just talk about money, but there's not talk about tithing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generous, generously will also reap generously. 
that verse is, has like been abused because it's basically saying the more that you give, the more that you will receive. But it's not talking about material goods there. Just because you're giving maybe material goods, maybe you're giving your time, maybe you're giving your skills with cars or cutting down trees or you're giving, maybe just the receiving is the joy. Maybe it's just people loving you back. It doesn't have to be material, but we take this and say, if you give 10%, God's going to like, Give you, just bless you beyond belief. Turn on the TV and watch that. Yeah, it's like, that's not what Paul's saying at all. You, you don't give to get back. You don't give to get back. You give because the Spirit leads you to give. Verse 7, it says, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. You've, you've, heard, <laughs> you've heard it said, Jesus says that a lot, you've heard it said, give until it hurts. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't. If it hurts, don't give. He, he wants you to give out of a cheerful heart. Look, I don't need your money. I, I don't need it. That's not between me and you. That's between you and the Lord. And if you give, man, I hope it's in a joyful, spirit-filled mindset. Not because we need this to do this at Leavener. We need this or this. No, I don't need your money. I, God doesn't need your money. You don't think God can do things on his own? He says, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. There it is. He's going to provide us with everything that we need. I'm not asking you to tithe. I'm not asking you to give an offering. I'm not asking you to give to Levener. Not. People go, well, 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 how do you do that? And it's like, from day one, it was like, trust the Spirit. I get into what Paul's saying here in Philippians 4.10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I think that's the key word there is content. Are, are we content? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Do I need a bigger TV? Because they're on sale right now. Do, do I have enough stuff? Content is, is literally understanding needs versus wants. What he's saying here, this is not some kind of prosperity gospel. What, what, it, what it is, it's, it causes us to move from I want to, 
I want to I need. That's what content is. Do I need this or do I just want it? I said, uh, I said that the, the difference between want and need and learning to understand that is maturity this morning. And then I got a funny look. But a child, a child cannot concern between want and need. They can't. And so as we grow in wisdom, as we grow in maturity, we figure out, I, I probably don't need that. I, I like it. I want it. But I don't need it. Verse 12, it says, I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. He was a Pharisee, and he was all about getting money. This is Paul. He was a wealthy, wealthy man. He was highly intellectual. Yet now he's in prison, and he's got nothing. He went from being a Pharisee, having everything, to being a missionary, traveling around, being a tent maker, and making money. He changed, everything changed for him. He says, in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm able to do all, here it is. How many of you grew up? That's your favorite verse. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things. And many people stop right there. I can do all things. I got a message from somebody yesterday and it's just talked about repeating this Christian process. Like doing good, trying, trying, trying. Then failing, failing, failing trying again, trying again. They even sent me this song, you know, that echoed that whole mindset. Trying, trying, trying. And I I just looked at how many times the word I was in there. I, 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 I can do all things. Oh, but what, what what about the next part? I can do all things through him. Don't, there's, a, there's another part of the equation there. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If I do it in my own strength, I keep repeating the process of trying, 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 and failing, 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 trying, 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 failing, failing, failing. But if I figure out it's in him, it's him working in me, it's his strength, not my strength. I can do all things. Yeah. Or I can keep trying to do it myself. It's the power of Christ within him that gave him spiritual contentment. That's it. He was content. When you get to the end of yourself, when you're at rock bottom, 
He's there. I tell people that's the best place to be. Because at that point, you've realized, hopefully you've come to realize that it, it's not working when you're doing it yourself. It just doesn't work. It worked for a while. Some of you are highly disciplined. Some of you are very strong spiritually. Some of you are very strong mentally. Some of you are very strong physically. So you can do it in your own strength for a while, for a season. But then you'll come sit sit at my table. The ample... I need a drink. The amplified version says this. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. It's like, again, not me who's doing it. Ephesians 1, 3 says this. This is important. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. I've got everything. I've got everything I need. I've got a great wife. Yeah, but yeah, but this next part is I don't need her. I have everything I need. Every spiritual blessing that I need, I have in Christ. That's it. I'm sufficient. Self-sufficient because of Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, it says, Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Paul's broke. He's in prison. And the church at Philippi was one of the most generous and giving churches around. They constantly provided for Paul's ministry, but also when Paul was like wanting to minister to the the church in Jerusalem, he would ask for them to take up a love offering and they would provide this generous love offering. And people ask me all the time, well, what's the plan for Leavener and their plan for, for giving? None. God. But what about your budget? None. God. Really? You're just going to give us a spiritual answer? Yep. (laughs) He says, still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. How, How has Levener, the community, ministered to people this past year? Our, our God is a giver, and we're just stewards of whatever he gives us. That's it. I'm a steward 
of whatever God gives me. That's why I don't have to have a budget. I don't have a finance committee. I don't have anything like that. We have elders and we talk about funds and stuff like that. Uh, we, we talk. It's not just me, although I pretty much run everything. Last year, Leavener had 77 givers, financial givers. 26 families gave 80% of that budget, which is normal. So uh, 33% of the givers gave 80% of the monies. Well, what do you do? What do you do with the money? In 15 years of doing Levener, I've had that question asked to me by one person. One person. What do you do with the money? <laughs> I was like, really? You guys don't. You guys don't ask that question. What do you do with the money? It's kind of an important question. You have no idea what that means to me. Because you trust me. That's a big deal. But just know this. Levener gives to our community right here. And then we give outside of our community believers. And then we also give to the world. As the Spirit leads. As the Spirit leads, we, we do that. This is not about boasting for me. This is not about boasting for you. This is not a boasting for, for Levener. But we'll pay for counseling for individuals. Like, if it's necessary, we'll support them. I support uh, Jeff Picone, who is at Indiana Biblical Counseling Center. And many of you in this room have gone to Jeff and sat with Jeff over the years. And I support his ministry because he, he's kind of like me. He, he may say this is what his, his rate is, but if you don't have it, he doesn't charge you. He just trusts the Lord that the Lord's going to provide for him. I've got one of my uh, very first students in youth ministry back in 89, 90. His name is Scott Mesher. Scott's 10 years younger than me, and he's out there, he, he's like me, on this journey, left the church, and he's out there, he speaks Spanish, and I don't know what other languages, but he's really good, and he's literally traveling, traveling the world and training churches. And so I send Scott money every year, and it's, kind of, it's really kind of cool, because I said, Scott, if you would just take guys out to lunch, like I do, and sit with them and talk to them about ministry, uh, I'll give you money for you to do that. So about every year when he's gone through that amount of money, I get this letter, and he's literally written down everybody that he's met with receipts from every meal that he's had. And the first time I got this stack, I'm like, you're crazy, why are you doing this? He's like, I just want you to know how God's using the money that you send. Well, I sent him more money. <laughs> Made sense, right? And done it every year. There's a, uh, 
one family this last year that lost their dad, not in Leavener. And we just sent money to their kids, help them with their education. We take care of Youth for Christ around here whenever they have needs. If they need something they need to do for an event or something like that, we'll fund that for them. There's a national network of youth ministers, and the one that meets here in Indiana always provides a lunch for all the youth ministers in Indiana. You all pay for that lunch. The Fishers United Methodist Church has a food pantry. You've supported that. You heard a month or so ago we bought a car for our employee here at Pinheads. We take, we take care of the employees. I eat here a lot, and I tip generously because they serve us. They really do. We've taken care of employees that have been absent from their work because they're of back surgeries. We've bought a dining room table for one of their servers because they were in need for their family to be able to sit down and have dinner around a table. I'm not boasting. I'm just letting you know this is what we do. Uh, We buy meals for the police whenever we see them in public. We buy groceries for the firemen whenever we see them at Kroger. You know, they have to, like, pay for their own meals. They all, like, pull their money in and they go to the grocery store every day and fix three meals back at the fire station. What is it? Uh, what are they having back there? Chili. <laughs> Says the donut man. The cops and the firemen, they're always... They got jokes. Uh, there's a friend in Ohio that needed a liver transplant this year. You guys helped with that. There's a friend in Texas that uh, Micah and Danny DeSalvo and everybody in, has gone down and helped, and uh, basically she is homebound and she's dependent upon machines to live her life. You guys supported her. We, uh, I have an office at the police station, and we provide coffee for the police. They can just go in and get coffee whenever they want. We've done financial peace for the police officers. And we've provided them with materials. There's a group of chaplains in Hamilton County, Noblesville and Westfield and Fishers. We all get together and we'll have lunch and y'all buy lunch for them. The Holy O Road pastors, you know that road over there with all the churches on it we'll sit at this table right here and uh, you guys will buy them lunch you've helped our own families that are going through transition and struggling in here we give to uh, sticks and stones so they can do ministry so they can cut down trees and help people with cars and stuff like that we give to building a refuge 
Brandon and Eric's ministry where they're just going out and uh, hearing stories from men and listening to men and giving them the opportunity to sit down and talk about stuff. Hey, you realize that's, these are all things that you do. And Paul's literally saying, you partnered with me in ministry. Just, you know, there's administrative things too. Uh, that The database that you're all in that, uh, and the app, that's $3,600 a year just for the database. To be able to keep up with everybody, to communicate with everybody, to, to know what's going on, to keep record of your finances and contributions and things like that. We uh, have that trailer out here. Well, we store that. That's like $900 a year just to store it down the street. I eat a lot of meals with a lot of people, host a lot of things at my house. That takes a lot of money. I just hang out with people. Camp. One week at camp in Wisconsin. The cost of that, $35,000 to take 50 to 60 people to camp. Now, that's offset by them, but Leavener picks up 53% of that. More than half. Like the kids are play, pay, kids and leaders are paying half of what it costs to go to camp. That brand new soundboard, brand new video camera, $3,500 for the soundboard, $1,500 for the camera, $1,300. And then we needed a, like, we needed a new laptop. So, and and this th- th- this is so typical. We need a new laptop. And Jim's like, I'm gonna go get a couple. And I'm like, well, send me a bill for those two laptops. And he goes, well, you can either bill me or you can write it off as a donation. I'm like, don't do that to me. Just tell me what you want me to do. <laughs> but people do that to me all the time. It's like they'll donate stuff here all the time. I told you this morning that you know all the drinks and everything. I don't pay for those. Y'all do. Like, it doesn't come through me. There's volunteers that... So there's money that... Things that are spent around here. Paul's literally saying, thank you. Thank you for what you do. You just need to know what you do. Sometimes. In verse 15 he says this, And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. <laughs> if you read the New Living Translation, it says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. What I want is for you to receive a well-earned reward because of your kindness. The message says this, Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. Thank you. Verse 18, he says, But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, who's a good steward, what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. My family is well taken care of. Not by you, but by God. Hear that. I appreciate you. I love you. 
I thank you, but my family is well taken care of because of God. It may come through you, but it's still all his in the first place. We sat in 2007 at Sunrise Cafe with uh, my five, at that time it was like board members because the IRS told us that we had to have board members. Um, they became elders. But I was making a pretty decent salary at my previous church and I basically said to them, I got to write letters to people now that I'm leaving that church and uh, ask for support. And they looked at me and said, why would you do that? And I'm like, well. And they, well, why don't you just trust the Lord? Oh, that's easy for you, Mr. John Hancock, Mr. C.P. Morgan, Mr. It's easy for you to say that, but who's going to go home and tell my wife we're just going to trust the Lord? And they drew the line in the sand. They said, why wouldn't you do that? All right. I'm not writing a letter. I'm not asking for money. I'm not putting a box in the back. And to this day, we haven't. And the Lord is well taken care of us. They asked... They ask that question at the table. Well, how much do you need? <laughs> I gave them the bare minimum. And this is what I need. Literally, a family, like we started, uh, I think we took a first paycheck in September of 2007 and, you know, we called it a nut, like a squirrel gets a nut. We had one nut, and then there wasn't anything left. But by the next month, there was another nut there. And the next month, there was another nut. In December, a family generously gave us their Christmas bonus. And that Christmas bonus is still in the savings account. And they said to me when I said, I don't have an income... Uh, and to trust the Lord they said this to me error on the side of generosity be generous be generous with what and to this day I try to be as generous as I can I don't have another job at least a paying job I have plenty of other jobs <laughs> I have opportunities, speaking opportunities. I have weddings and funerals, but I rarely take anything for those. Because the Lord is taking care of me. I've never been in need. I don't have debt. I have no debt. I receive a salary. It includes a, a housing allowance. I pay taxes just like you pay taxes. I have medical assurance insurance through the Affordable Care Act. I have life insurance. I'm well taken care of. 
the elders are in fact helping me catch up on my retirement, which I put on pause when I left my previous ministry and came to Levener. They're helping me catch up. And, and you guys care for us in so many other ways as well. At Christmas, you gave us gifts so that we could travel. We're going on a vacation next month because you gave us gifts aside from our salary. You take care of my car when it breaks down. And I had a pretty expensive year last year with a wedding. And I sat down at one of the tables at the dinner. And one of you in here said, how much was your food bill? I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. How much was your food bill? They paid the food bill for the wedding. I mean, who does that? Chick-fil-A is expensive. (laughs) I cannot thank you enough. Paul's literally saying, thank you. You guys are far above anybody else. Far above it. He says, and my God will supply all your needs, all your needs. He's not talking about himself anymore. He says, and God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. (laughs) He's got it all. 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 But don't forget Ephesians 1 3, 1, 3. You have every spiritual blessing that you need. He says, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Not just for the financial side of things, but everything that he's talked about the previous four chapters. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our God. Glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he has his final greetings here with the Philippians. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. He's, he said, touch him. Greet every saint, touch him. It's important. Touch him appropriately, but touch him. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. He's literally talking about the Roman citizens, the Roman guard that's like handcuffed to him, those that are guarding Paul. He's literally like, they send you greetings too because they've heard all about you. They know everything about you because we're sitting here all day and I just talk about you. The Roman soldiers. (laughs) They say howdy. He says, last verse, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit as I know that he is I know that he is may you know that too Lord uh, thank you for your provision thank you for friends thank you for family thank you for always always taking care of us even, we're, even when we're in the muck of things, 
you take care of us. You provide. Even when we can't see it coming, you take care of us. Even when we're at the bottom and we think there's no hope, there's always hope in Jesus. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.